to episode five of the podcast, We Effed Up. I'm Teresa. I'm Cody. And you almost forgot the name of the no, podcast. No, I remembered it. I was just trying to think of a weird way to introduce it. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, this podcast is here to tell you about all of the times in history where we effed up. Just one singular moment when a simple decision ended up changing the course of history. So... Uh, what do we have on the docket today, Cody? We're going to talk about ancient Egypt, uh, a specific time in ancient Egypt, because ancient Egypt is a very, very long time frame. Is Moon Knight going to be featured in it? No. What about Khonshu? Who? Khonshu. I don't know what that is. Uh, uh, Egyptian god of the moon. It seems like this is not very... It's not covering all of ancient Egypt. No, the tail end of it. Okay, all right. Like so, the very tail end of it, like n- the last like ten years of it. Near near ancient Egypt versus far ancient Egypt. Yeah, I mean, for we're gonna be talking about uh, events that happened in the first century BC, and by that point, uh, Egypt had been ruled by the pharaohs for nearly three thousand years. Christ, imagine ruling. Yeah. A- Wow. Um, isn't there some, like, anachronism about Cleopatra being existing closer to the advent of iPhones than... The construction of the Great Pyramids, yes. Yeah. Because they were constructed in the 2800s BC. 27, I could be wrong. It might be all 500 years, but yeah. Uh, and she will show up, and she'll be a prominent player in today's episode, but yeah, she lived in the back half of the first century BC. So just imagine that. We are... Cleopatra is basically less than halfway between us and the Great Pyramids. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Okay. All right. So who? what are, what are we talking about more specifically? Well, we're going to be talking about uh, the murder or assassination of a specific Roman general. Okay. Uh, we'll get to him in a little bit. Okay. Uh, but first, uh, let, me, let me set up some context for you. Okay. Uh, Egypt, uh, as you know, we just discussed, one of those ancient civilizations in the world, in the world, even by uh, the middle of the first century BC. Um, at that time, the, what's called the Ptolemaic Dynasty had ruled Egypt for almost two centuries. Okay. Uh, the Ptolemaic Dynasty, which spoiler alert from you know two thousand years ago, was the last dynasty of the uh, ancient. Uh, pharaonic period of Egypt, it's like when they were ruled by the pharaohs. This is the last oh, okay. dynasty of pharaohs. Okay, and and to to give our listeners further context, if you're not going to go into this later, like was Egypt the borders that we know it as today, or was it much um, larger? It was. It, I mean, it fluctuated over time, um, but the core of it was this was roughly the same, maybe a little bit further south, but really like. You think modern Egypt, you kind of have a, a vision in your head of, like, you know, this country that takes up, like, you know, the top right-hand corner of Africa. Uh-huh. Even today, like, 90% of the, 90, 95% of the Egyptian population lives along the Nile River. Okay. So it's, like, just one little line in that country. Like, the vast majority of the population lives there. That was true thousands of years ago, and it's still true to this day. Okay. So. Cool. It's largely just centered on the Nile. But unlike the Holy Roman Empire, which expanded greatly and contracted greatly over time, Egypt has 
for the most part, at least the people inside of it have kind of stayed close to yeah. that river. Um, it may have, at various points, it would go south into Nubia, which is like present-day Sudan. Uh, it controlled, it would control, like, uh, Cyprus at one point, or, okay. uh, like, present-day Israel, Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, like, maybe those areas, but for the most part, centered around the Nile River. Okay, cool. All right, continue. Uh, so, the Ptolemaic dynasty, they were descended from Ptolemy I, uh, one of Alexander the Great's generals. After Alexander the Great died, uh, his empire, which was one of the largest in history, uh, it was kind of torn apart by internal strife. A lot of his generals just took bits of it, and Ptolemy took Egypt. Okay. I just realized that Lawrence of Arabia and Alexander the Great are not the same person. About uh, 2,400 years apart. <laughs> yeah. One, I don't know. One was Macedonian, one was British. Yep, yep. One was played by Colin Farrell, the other by Peter O'Toole. <laughs> <laughs> one one won an Academy Award for that, or was nominated for an Academy Award for that. The other one was not. Yeah, yeah. You can I know. pick which one. I I figured which one, but <clears throat> yeah. I I don't know why it is that I was thinking that Lawrence of Arabia yeah. and Alexander the Great are the same. It's because both of their names have a lot of letters. Yeah. Take up the same amount of real estate. <laughs> Listeners, Lawrence of Arabia, great movie. Go watch it. Alexander, not a great movie. Don't watch it. Um. Yeah, don't. Movie Opinions with Cody. Yes. Uh, anyway, um, getting myself off track. Ptolemy was which, a general which, of which Alexander the Great. Change. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the And his descendants, they were... Uh, well, since he was a general of Alexander the Great, he was Macedonian. He wasn't Egyptian. Uh-huh. And um, his descendants were Macedonian. A lot of the ruling class in this Ptolemaic Egypt were Macedonian. Okay. Uh, so a lot of Macedonians and Greeks would come uh, to Egypt because Alexander the Great, uh, one of the things he did in Egypt was found a city called Alexandria. Uh-huh. Not the only city called Alexandria that Alexander founded. Was he... that where the library was? Yes. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, and the Hellenistic world, which is like um, the successor states to Alexander's empire, they're Greek and Macedonian. Um, kind of spreading that culture out throughout the Middle East. Uh, Alg- Alexandria was kind of the crown jewel of this um, of this uh, time uh, time period in the Eastern Mediterranean uh, because, like, it, it had uh, great learning centers like the library. Uh-huh. Um, it was actually called the museum because it was named after the muses. Uh huh. And that's where we oh, okay. get the word museum from. Cool. So that's cool. Um. So, so yeah. So they they. Uh, continue this uh, tradition of uh, Greek learning and such. Another tradition they continued, um, one that they adopted from the Egyptians. Uh, Putting babies in baskets to send down the river. Not that I'm aware of. I was trying to think of when Bible times would have happened during this period. If you're thinking Old Testament, way before this. Okay. So, so it's not the babies in baskets thing that they keep as their tradition. No, but you're gonna wish it was. The thing they kept from Egyptian tradition was sibling marriage. Oh boy! As in brother marrying sister. Yeah, yeah I know what a sibling is. Uh, the Egyptians would practice this. <laughs> That's gross. Uh, because, well, because like uh, two of their chief gods, Osiris and Isis, were siblings, and they were also married. Yes. I'm the, making a face. Yes. The, <laughs> yeah. Yes, that, that look says it all. Um, yeah. 
So, so this continues through the generations. Um, and, of course, what do you think is going to happen with the generations of sibling marriage? They're going to become genetically inferior. Yes, in many ways. And mentally. So the Macedonians come, they're like, we brought libraries. And the Egyptians are like, we brought sibling marriage. <laughs> well, the Ptolemies were the only ones who practiced this. Because oh. they wanted to, like, maintain the the really facade of like being the pharaohs because okay. that's what the pharaohs did um, nobody else did like the macedonians thought that was disgusting because it's disgusting <laughs> so so i wonder if the macedonians knew like there are problems when siblings get married and have children oh together. probably not i mean we're centuries before that sort of uh before mendel or anything like that or any understanding of genetics like that so Okay. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't and, have to be good at genetics to realize, like, no, yeah, but that's what I'm thinking of. As a kid, and it has defects. Like, well, yeah. Well, the Ptolemaic family tree. Because Was just a because this, <laughs> it is a hot mess. It makes the Hab Habsburgs look sane. I don't know what that means. Uh, the Habsburgs uh, were a European mon uh, dynasty. They would often practice like. An uncle marrying a niece type of thing. Ugh. Um, okay. Say no more. Just, listeners, go look up a picture of Charles II of Spain and you'll see what I mean. I think I knew I know about that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, the Ptolemaic family tree, it's a nightmare. It, it is like an unt untangled... It, it is a knot you cannot untie because it is, it is so tangled up. Ugh. I think like a massive ball of yarn you can't unwind trying to decipher all of this. Ew. So, it, parts of our story it may be a little hard to keep track of, but I will, if you have questions about who's who, I, I won't uh, blame you. Yeah, I know I know what Charles II of Spain looks like. Yeah, our producer Steve just showed us a, a picture of Charles II for reference. and Yeah, he's not, a, not an attractive man. It's real gross. You, I think his chin and his nose touch. Yeah, and needless to say, he could not have children, which is probably a good thing. Ugh. But it kicked off the wars of the Spanish succession, but we'll, we might come into that later on. But Okay. But so anyway, um, years pass uh, since the Ptolemies take power, and we get to Ptolemy the Twelfth. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, they uh, they love the name Ptolemy. I was going to say, did the, was there a this naming is not... tradition? Was it a tradition for them to be named one right after the other, Ptolemy? Kind of. Okay. This is not the last Ptolemy we'll encounter. We're going to have a few more. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, get to Ptolemy XII. Um, in uh, the mid middle of the first century, he's actually overthrown Okay. Uh, by his eldest daughter, uh Berenike, or it looks like Berenice, but it's pronounced Berenike. Berenike the Fourth. Who I thought it was going to be Ptolemya. <laughs> no, there, thankfully there's no Ptolemyas. Oh. Um, it's like uh, George Foreman, where all of his kids are named George. It's a shame. Opportunity missed there. <laughs> yep. Um, so, but uh, overthrown, but he's returned to rule with the help of Rome. Um, okay. Uh, but he's, he owes large debts. Or, uh, wow, I can't talk. He owes large debts to Rome uh, for bringing him back to power. Uh, this is the year 51. So year, year, the year 55 they bring him back. So they're like, you can come back to power, but you're going to owe us so much yes, money. Yes, yes. Like m cash or like favors? 
um, economic considerations, be it through like resources or something like that. Okay. But um, so, um, in his will, uh, he named his son Ptolemy the Thirteenth. Okay. And his daughter Cleopatra the seventh as his heirs, and he dies in fifty one. There's seven Cleopatras. Yes. Wow. And I will I will not refer to this one as Cleopatra the seventh from now on because this is the Cleopatra, like oh, okay. the Elizabeth Taylor Cleopatra, <laughs> uh, which probably didn't look anything like the real Cleopatra. Nope. Um. So, Ptolemy the thirteenth, he was actually too young to rule. Um, okay. He he was he was only like. Uh, a few years old at the time. Uh, he was like, uh, he was 10 okay. when he came to power. Far too young. Yeah. Uh, Cleopatra was the older of the two. Okay. Uh, and, uh, but uh, they were considered to be like equal co-rulers. Okay. Um, since Ptolemy was too young, um, a, a court eunuch named Pothinus was named as regent. Okay. Because uh, everybody knows if you don't have any genitalia, then it makes you a real, real good uh, consult, royally. Yeah, and also they can't sire any illegitimate children with the actual, you know, queen uh, or any of the princesses or anything. That's why they were around. Okay. Yes. Um, so, this guy Pothinus, he's kind of the one pulling Ptolemy's strings. There's a few other advisors, but he's the main one. Okay. Because, uh, as with many instances in underage rulers back then they were often a vehicle for other people to exercise power sure right makes sense uh cleopatra who was older than her brother uh like i said uh, she was about eight years older than her brother so she's about uh 17 years old this time 17 okay. 18 years old close to being an adult yes uh she began to assert herself as the senior ruler issuing coins with only her image Ooh. instead of her with pompey which that might sound kind of kind of pedestrian but back then you know you didn't have pictures or photographs of people easily available. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, the the your average person probably isn't going to see fancy artworks of the rulers. You know, maybe a few times in their lives, having your image on the coin that was a way to remind them of like this person is in charge. This is the ruler, like an everyday reminder that this person is in charge. Okay. This person is your name's literally on the money. This person is the reason why you have this money. Okay. So it's kind of a constant reminder. So, so having her only her on the coin instead of her with Ptolemy was kind of a big deal. Also, like, the commoners probably have no idea the day-to-day goings-on of oh, what's Lord, happening. No. No. So when they see a coin, they might not know what the hell is going on in the mm-hmm. palace. So when they see a coin that only has one person, they're like, well, I guess this is, this is the only person that's... Uh, issuing the decrees now yes. so that so that maybe they just thought that he died or something yeah. uh pothinus and other anti-cleopatra uh, allies of his they pushed back against her forcing her into the south of the country uh, okay up the nile so pothinus was like no pompey is the dude i want to rule through ptolemy. him ptolemy is the dude yeah i want to rule through him uh Cleopatra, go away. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and she's forced out of the country entirely and into oh, exile dang. into Syria. Okay. Uh, but she managed to assemble an army of other, like, some of her followers, and she advances into the Nile Delta, which okay. is near where Alexandria is, but um, her forces are stopped by Ptolemy's forces. And this is kind of where we are when the events that we're going to discuss happens. Okay. But I'm going to backtrack a little bit to give you a little bit more context on some of the some other things. Okay. Um, 
a little bit about Cleopatra first. Uh, she'd been born in Alexandria in the year 69. Yes, um, as I mentioned, she'd been the daughter of Pharaoh Ptolemy XII. Unlike other Ptolemies, now remember, this, this dynasty had been ruling Egypt for close to two centuries. Long, long time. She's the first one to actually bother to learn the native Egyptian language. Oh my gosh. They had been speaking a form of Greek up to this point. Wow. So the, just another way to like other them, yes. other themselves. And, and make like, them like higher than, it, yeah. So like she's the first one who actually bothers to learn the native language. Wow. That's um, powerful. Yeah. To learn the language of, of exactly. the Exactly. It makes her, you know, more palatable to the people. Also like, imagine you have your handmaidens come in. They're speaking Egyptian thinking. You oh, they, have... they would no, they, they would have spoke Greek. Okay, but maybe they're talking amongst themselves and speaking uh, Egyptian, thinking they don't. She doesn't understand what we're saying, and then she replies to them in Egyptian, and, and they're like, Ugh. "Oh boy, I just, I just called her, her nose, fat. I just said her nose was really big." <laughs> um, and she was likely a polyglot, like spoke several languages. Uh, we know she spoke Latin, uh, spoke Greek, native Egyptian language. It's possible she may have uh, spoke uh, Hebrew. Wow. Uh, it's possible she may have spoken, like, Persian, like, many other, like, languages of the region. Huh. Uh, and they think, like, she may have been able to speak, like, up to, like, six or seven languages. Maybe she was just lonely. She was like, well, I'll just have to learn some more languages so I can make friends. Um, and I do want to clear up, uh, probably the biggest misconception about her was that, uh, to put it frank, that she was a slut. Slut? Yes. That, like, she was probably very intelligent and astute. Uh, could play the political game very well. A lot of the promiscuous, uh, I don't say promiscuous uh, stuff we have about her were like later inventions. Okay. Especially during the reign of Augustus, or when he was Octavian, uh-huh. during his civil war against Mark Antony. Mark Antony was still a popular Roman, he but he was still a Roman. Uh-huh. So Octavian had to come up with a way like, okay, well, how is this noble Roman being... And be, be like, like, why is he revolting against Rome itself? Uh-huh. Well, this foreign Egyptian queen is seducing him. Oh, I see. She's using her 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 e- mysterious Eastern you know, ways against him. <laughs> her womanly I, wiles. Kind of, yeah. So like, so like, she was using her power of seduction, and, and it's like also a way to explain like how she also seduced Julius Caesar. It's a smear campaign. Pretty much, it's like a really early form of being a smear campaign. It's they're fake like news. it's fake news. Yeah, they're they're like, well, obviously this this noble Roman person could never do this thing by himself. Yeah, because so, he's an honorable Roman. So it has to be a woman, a foreign woman that makes him do that. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, and a lot of that has just been so absorbed into the cultural consciousness that people just kind of accept that as truth. Some things change, and some things always stay the same. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Yeah, so, like, she, um, I mean, it's undeniable she had relationships with both Caesar and Mark Antony, but, uh, it's, po- like, uh, it, there may have been some feelings there, but it also may have been her way of just, like, okay, I'm going to use what I have to get more, to, like, secure my own power. Yeah. So, which... It's one of those things where it's, like, so far away from today, and we don't have a lot of context or, like, text even about it, mm-hmm. that it could, we could write it kind of like a myth. Where, yep. like, similar to the Medusa myth, where it's like, maybe she was a slut. Maybe she did go around and, you know, sleep with multiple dudes. 
But that maybe doesn't she make was, her like less of a person. Maybe <laughs> she also was preserved. Like this was in the interest of self-preservation. Oh yeah, like because Rome was very powerful. Like this is like on the verge of becoming the Roman Empire, so it's very powerful at this point. So it could have just been self-preservation. Like I'm making the best out of a terrible situation, and I don't want to be killed, which is something mm-hmm. that I am at risk of having happen to me. Yeah. So I'm just going to roll with it and keep going. Yeah. So. Um, and in- and interesting. I, yeah. And as I said, uh, she had to keep an eye on Rome because Rome at this point, it l- controlled the entire Mediterranean except for Egypt. Wow. Um, Very powerful. They conquered most of the Mediterranean by the 50s BC. Um, but for the previous, you know, 75 years-ish or so, uh, there have been some political and social instability had started to lead to some populist movements and polarization. It's I'm real glad that that's not a thing today. <laughs> I'm so glad. It's only worse today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, like I said, the more things change, more things stay the same. Yeah. 2,000 years later. Um, so, uh, there had been a civil war at the start of the century between these two guys named Sulla and Marius. Um and they'll come back in a little bit. Um, but Sola wins. It kind of stabilizes things for a little while. But things start to kind of pull apart a little bit more by the middle of the century. Okay. Uh, enter uh, two important people who we're going to talk about today. Julius Caesar. Never and, heard of him. And <laughs> Pompey Magnus. Okay. Um, T- uh, those two together with uh, Marcus, like Kenius Crassus, they kind of dominated Roman politics in the middle of the century. They formed what's called the First Triumvirate. Uh-huh. Basically, it's a very complex arrangement of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type of thing. Okay. And, th- and this um, kind of holds things together for a while, for about mm, close to eight years. Okay. Um, the death of Crassus in 53 at the Battle of Carhai, uh, kind of... It, it, polarizes things because now instead of three people you have two people and you can't scratch one another's back if it's just two of you right <laughs> otherwise that's a weird reach around it would be really difficult you have yes. to be like and and it makes it easier for people to like kind of pick a side sure right so there's not a middle ground yeah so um caesar was kind of in charge of like what were called the populares or the kind of like the populists like you know very of the people like one reform and benefits for the people like that kind of thing and pompey was in charge of the optimates or like the oligarchs like the okay. like the ruling class okay um so so um, caesar's like democrat more democratic and pompey is less democratic <sighs> kind of uh pompey was much more like maintain status quo okay like how we have it now is fine it does not need to change okay because the rich people are in charge caesar was more like sure we have a ruling class but the people also need to be taken care of okay i understand um so a little bit of background on both of them pompey um he'd been born naeus pompeius in september 106 in picanum italy it's like kind of like on the eastern coast of Italy. Okay. In the Adriatic. Uh, his father had served as consul in the year 89. What does that mean? What is uh, a consul? Consul, uh, at this time of the Roman Republic, um, the leaders were consuls. 
they elected two every year. Okay. And they were kind of like the guys in charge. Also, something to understand at this time, like, political and military um, power were really kind of just one and the same. Like, okay. you, you had elected leaders. Like, the consuls were, like, the elected leaders who would go out and lead armies. Okay. So, it, it would literally be like if the commander-in-chief today, if if President Biden went out and led an army into battle. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. But, uh, and his father had been the first in the family to attain senatorial rank, which is, like, the highest you can go. Like, like, wow, okay. And something to understand in Rome, family is very important. Like, family and family history. If you had had a... Um, an ancestor be consul like a century ago, you could parlay that into some degree of political power for yourself because oh, you, you came from this noble family, Jeez. this family that achieved, like it was very important. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, but you still had like, uh, what were called new men or novus homo. Um, like they would come in and, um, like, like new blood essentially like uh-huh. new and his father had been one of those. Okay. Um, or at least had been the first to like really get to the top. Um, Pompey had served in several internal Roman conflicts earlier in his career, uh, and he had been a protege of Lucius Cornelius Sulla, who I mentioned a little bit ago had won okay. the yeah. Civil War earlier in the century. Uh, he fought in the Third Servile War in the 70s against Spartacus. So there's a name you should know, Spartacus. Yeah, there's a movie about yes. him. Yes, very good movie by Stanley Cooper, the, the... the greatest director who ever lived. Pompey, he defeated uh, Mithridates the Sixth in the third Mithridatic War and brought much of the Eastern Mediterranean into the Roman orbit, like either through direct annexation or like client kings or just like, so much of the Eastern Mediterranean is brought under Rome's control. Okay. And I also bring up Mithridates, like look up Mithridates, really kind of, kind of an interesting life. Um, he would, I don't even know who that is. I've uh, never heard that name. I'm not going to go into it here, but like I'll say this one little fact about him, but he would eat like little tiny, doses of poison to give himself like immunity so like at the end of his life people would try to poison him and it just wouldn't it wouldn't affect him like Rasputin. i don't know about Rasputin. yeah that does not bring Rasputin. okay but um how many mithridatic wars were there well at least three was it just this guy just like let's have a war well look into it that seems like a lot you could just tell me on this podcast <laughs> no i know i want the listeners to actually do their own research a little bit um so Pompey, like very great general, he was awarded three triumphs uh, throughout his career at Rome. Uh, a Roman triumph is like this giant parade and party, like celebrating your victories. It was a very prestigious thing just to get even one, Ooh. let alone three. Yeah, three. There's one point at one of his triumphs. I don't remember which one. I think it was like a second or third one. He had captured some elephants and wanted to show those off, but they couldn't fit them through like the arch you go through to get into <laughs> Rome. <laughs> so like they had to send them in like one at a time. Wow. Yeah. So like the, like this this is essentially a carriage pulled by elephants. It's like it just you wanted to you wanted to show off like as much as possible because this was also like a basically a big uh, political rally type of thing for yourself. Huh. So. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, show of military power and yeah. celebration. Uh, he was regarded at the time as Rome's greatest living general, and he was given the cognomen the Great. So his, na- his name now was Gnaeus Pompeius Magnus. Oh. Or Pompey the Great. His name was literally Pompey the Great. Dang. Yeah. How many other people were given that? Officially, uh, I don't know offhand, but like he was... Not a lot? Not a lot of people? No, Got no. to be the Great? No. Not officially. So that was a part of his name. So, wow. Yep. 
Uh, as I mentioned, he entered into the first triumvirate with Crassus and Caesar in the year 60. Um, and he began to align himself with the Optimates faction, who were committed to preserving the status quo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of where he is uh, when we get to our story. Okay. Uh, now, a man who doesn't need as much of an introduction, Julius Caesar. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably one of the most famous human beings to ever live. That person on the pizza box. Yep. It's little Caesar, right? Pizza, pizza? <laughs> he just died a little inside. <laughs> but, uh, but that's where they got the little... That's where they got the name, Little Caesar. He'd be so happy that that's his legacy. <laughs> no, I, I know. I don't think that, because they call all the Roman emperors Caesars. Later on, yeah. After him, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, they, maybe well, that's like, not like that one. The, the name Caesar essentially became like the title of the heir. Oh. Like the next in line. And then eventually it became the nucleus of like the German Kaiser. Which is actually Caesar in Latin. It's pronounced Kaiser. Dang. So, but we... Just say, I'm just I think say my Caesar. brain just exploded. Or like, next, the, or like the Russian czars come from Caesar. Next, next before next episode, I'm gonna have to drink coffee before the episode because now I think my brain just exploded because it's like how many Caesars have I read about that I've all just attributed to being Julius Caesar? Like my world just got exploded <laughs> inside my brain. Uh, anyway. Uh, Julius Caesar or Gaius Julius Caesar because Julius was not his first name. I know about I know about the Gaius thing because we have a friend whose dog is named Gaius. Yeah, if anything, his last name was Julius. Yeah. Yeah, or his surname anyway. But Man. anyway, Gaius Julius Caesar, born in July 100 BC in Rome. Uh, he was the nephew of Marius, uh-huh. the guy who lost the civil war to Sulla. Versus Sulla, yep. Yeah. So. So he and uh, Pompey. Not, Pompey. Man, the P names. There's so many P names this this time. Mm-hmm. P's and O's. Anyways, so Caesar and Pompey are kind of like diametrically opposed on two different ends of the spectrum. Kind historically of. Historically and also politically. Uh, yeah, kind okay. of. Okay. Um, Marius' defeat forced Caesar into hiding for a time. Uh, took the intervention of Caesar's mother and the Vestal Virgins to get him to, to, to allow him to come back. Jeez. Um, That's a lot. Vestal Virgins were real important. Yes. Uh he served in the army and began his political career. Uh, he was elected consul in 60, so like the guy in charge. Mm-hmm. There's yep, one of two, year. and the other one for the year kind of got pushed aside. Um, so Caesar basically just ruled by himself pretty much for the year. <laughs> wow. And was able to push through a lot of his reforms. Like He was big on like uh, land reform, um, all sorts of other reforms. And that was kind of the arrangement with uh, Pompey and Crassus. So like... Caesar's big thing was this. Pompey and Crassus, who are in the Senate, would be like, yeah, we both support this, and they'd get all their supporters to do it. Okay. And then Caesar would do something that Pompey had wanted to get through. Okay. And then they'd do something that Crassus wanted to get through. So, like, it, it was kind of an arrangement. Like, we all want these different things to go through. Uh, we all have different priorities, but this is a way, like, we can actually get all these things done. Okay. Cool. Makes C- sense. Caesar actually also committed some illegal acts while he was consul. But he couldn't be arrested. No. <laughs> he also couldn't be arrested while he was consul because he had immunity. And oh. after somebody was consul, uh, they would immediately go and like take over like a governorship, okay, and a province. Uh, it'd be like a proconsul, okay. Um, and this is where like uh, politicians would really make their money, okay. Because Caesar, he like borrowed several fortunes just to be elected consul because you know politics cost money. 
Wow. The more things change, the more things stay the same. <laughs> so, so what what was he spending money on? Like greasing palms? Yes. So, who voted on electing the consul? It's oh boy. Uh, to put it very shortly, all Roman citizens, but they voted by class, and the top classes were weighted oh, okay. essentially. So, yeah, I'm not gonna get into it because it's a ludicrously complex. Like, so like, like, like if, it was it was not simply going up to a ballot box and putting a slip in. So like if a lay person voted, then the, you know if a richer got a ra- person if they even got a round of them. Yeah. So then but, the richer yeah. person's vote would count yeah. like three or four times yes, as much. Yeah. So got it. So you know, but to get all that money back that he borrowed, you'd go be a governor for a year because the governor collects taxes, and you know you take a little something for yourself. Yeah. So nothing wrong with that. Exactly. So, <laughs> um. Eh, and also, the way the Romans dated their years, it wasn't with numbers. Um, they would say, like, they would date years by the consuls. So, like, you would say, in the year of Pompey and Crassus. Okay. Which, means, which means you'd also have to have an encyclopedic knowledge of every consul yeah. going back 500 years. And hopefully also remember uh, who's who and hope yes. that no names ever came up twice. Oh, oh they would. <laughs> Because remember, it's like, just uh, some families had like every generation a consul. Ugh. But since Caesar largely ruled by himself for this year, the year he was consul, it was just said in the year of Julius and Caesar. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, kind of like tongue in cheek. Yeah. So, anyway, his his year's consul go uh, is finished. He goes he goes and serves as governor in Gaul. Okay. He gets control of three provinces. Which also isn't regular, but... He's a big guy. Big yeah, name. Yeah, who cares about the law at this point? Um, and it's... Uh, think of it, like, as, like, northern Italy, like, southern France, the Alps. Like, that's where his uh, his control is. Okay. Gaul is, like... Think of, like, modern-day France. Okay. It's not Roman at this point. Okay. By the time Caesar's done, it is Roman. Okay. Wow. He, right. he conquers the whole thing. Like, uh, so how this is, is he this allowed is... to have c- control of it if it wasn't Roman? He conquers it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm saying. Like, like this is where like his famous conquests come in. Okay. Like uh, battling the the Gallic tribes, crossing the Rhine, the expedi- the first Roman expedition in Britain. Okay. Um, the battles against Vercingetorix, the Battle of Alesia, like all all the all the famous stuff that Caesar is pretty much known for. In terms of military tactics and stuff, happens here during this time when he's okay. governor of these Gallic provinces. Why? Why was he able to get Gaul so easily? He was just that good of a general. Was he a good general, or were they like not expecting it? They're all just he like farming. A, he was a good general. They're all just out there like farming and no, just being no, peaceful. Like, no, like they were fight. They were like essentially a lot of it. He was on the defensive. Oh, like they okay. were fighting him. Oh. And he was just that good. What what type of people were living there at that time? Uh, I mean, various like uh, Celtic tribes or just just various different ethnicities of people. I wasn't sure who was living in France at that time. If it was like they Germanic were just called, people, well, they or... were called the Gauls. Oh, okay. Just collectively, I mean, there were, there were different tribes like the Belgae or various various different tribes. But okay, this is where he gets his um, he cuts his, his chops. He cuts his chops. Yeah. Uh, Crassus, as I mentioned, he, he gets kind of jealous of Caesar. He goes off and 
dies in the Battle of Karhai against the Persians. Um, he's like, I want some land. He's also kind of jealous of Caesar's military victories. Crassus also one of the... He's often cited as one of the richest human beings to ever live. Like, if you ever look at, like, richest people ever, Crassus is usually in the top five. Wow. Yeah. Insanely wealthy. But Why, why was he so wealthy? Any particular reason? <laughs> Some ver- various underhanded tactics. Oh, okay. I'll just leave it at that. Supposedly, um, you ever seen Game of Thrones where Drogo pours gold down Viserys' throat? Uh-huh. He did so, that? So happened to Crassus. Oh, that's what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like he, he lost in the Battle of Karai. He was beheaded. And supposedly, the legend has it that the liquid gold was poured down his throat. Wow. Because he, he loved wealth so much. Dang. Yeah. In Persia? This is what uh, yeah. happened in Persia? Yeah. I think they did that on 300. Yeah. Anyway, um, it upsets the political order. Um, something else that kind of broke apart this triumvirate. Uh, Pompey had married Caesar's daughter in a way to kind of cement this relationship. Um, so Pompey was Caesar's son-in-law, even though Pompey was older than Caesar, which Ew. is a little gross. Icky. Yeah. But um, Caesar's daughter, Julia, she dies. And that kind of breaks the bond between them even further. Oh, okay. Um, the political factions start coalescing around Pompey and Caesar. Caesar realizes my immunity. Like, they're not going to renew my governorship. I, and I, they won't let me run for consul again. So my immunity is going to be up. I'm going to be arrested. Oops. So really the only option he sees is to basically just start a civil war. <laughs> I'm not going to get arrested. War? Pretty much. Um, in 49, he crosses the Rubicon River with his army, kicking off a civil war. Now, like, the Rubicon was, like, the northern boundary of Italy. Uh-huh. You couldn't bring an army into Italy without the permission of the Senate. Okay. Uh, this is where, like, you know, get the phrase, like, crossing the Rubicon, kind of yeah, at the was, point of no return. That's I was where gonna this comes bring that from. up. Okay. Uh, this is also where he supposedly said the die is cast. Okay. You ever heard that? Yeah. That's from this. Okay. Okay, so, um, that's, uh, kind of the background on those things uh so we're going to start in on the actual actual events of our story i know okay. that was a lot of place setting but you kind of have to understand where all the players are at this point okay um so once caesar enters italy uh pompey and his supporters in the senate they flee to greece because remember pompey had largely conquered the east okay so a lot of his power base is in the east okay uh so uh that so he, he kind of goes there and wants to regroup. So, um, so this is I guess I should have shown you this earlier, but this is Gaul. Okay, so France, modern day France. Yeah, this is where Caesar, you know, has all these battles. He comes into Italy and Pompey just flees over here. Woo! And here's okay. and here's Egypt. Okay. So I guess I should show you some pictures. Of that. There's Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. The so, likeness, uncanny. Yeah, uh, that that is. Uh, what is believed to be the only, like, uh, bus made of Caesar during his life that's okay. surviving. So, um, that's Pompey. He looks like... He looks pompous. He looks like a fat comedian from the early ni- the early 1900s. He's got a little cowlick up here, too. Yeah, yeah, he's got a cowlick. His eyes are very close to his nose, but his head is gargantuan. <laughs> yes. He's very big-headed. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Uh, that's Ptolemy the Thirteenth. His nose is missing. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's all the pictures I have. Yeah, there weren't. There are not too many major players in this. Um, 
And there's no pictures of Pothinus, because really he's kind of minor to the story. Sure, yeah. Um, he's probably the most minor person we'll talk about who kind of makes a mistake. Okay, So cool. Because he just, he just pops up that once, makes a mistake, and is gone from the story, pretty much. Um, so anyway, uh, Poppy flees to Greece uh, and begins consolidating his forces. Caesar takes Rome. Okay, um, wow. Well, because nobody's there, nobody's fled. <laughs> Well, nobody's here, so now I'm in charge. Yeah. And he has two options. He can either go west into, like, the Iberian Peninsula, like Spain, modern-day Spain, and pacify that region, like, clear it of Pompey supporters, or he can go for Pompey now. Okay. He decides to go into the Iberian Peninsula. Okay. And take care of that, and then he'll swing around, take care of Pompey. Probably safer to do it that way, right? Yeah, because then you don't, you don't have... Um, essentially, well, I mean, you don't have those supplies going to Pompey now. Sure, right. So, and they're going to Caesar. Okay. So he does that, and he moves back into Italy and crosses the Adriatic into Greece in 48. So it's been about a year now. Okay. Um, Caesar kind of pursues Pompey throughout Greece uh, until they finally meet. Uh, they fight the battles of Dyrrhachium, Battle of Pharsalus. Uh, Pompey's defeated. Oh, In both man. those battles. Um. Both of them. Yeah, and he flees to Egypt, uh, hoping to call in Ptolemy's debts to Rome. Because remember, Ptolemy XII oh, yeah. owed debts to Rome. Okay. He's like, now, oh, I'm coming. And now Pompey's like, Make me I'm safe. A, I'm going to call those in. Because, <laughs> because, again, there were a lot of Romans um, from that expedition to Egypt earlier who stayed in Egypt. Okay. So not only is he going there to be like, hey, give me, uh, give me amnesty help me stay safe but also he's probably going to try and rile some troops up yep and take them back to Rome. yeah it's kind of like a last ditch effort okay um and he still has some supporters in northern africa as well like modern tunisia libya algeria like that area okay so that's what he's doing yeah. he's like i want to stay safe but also mm-hmm. let's let's go back and take it back yeah and there were debate among ptolemy's advisors on whether or not, whether or not to help pompey like you know if we help him caesar might be mad at us we turn him away, Caesar might show his favor, you know, that kind of thing. Wow. Um, and they were also afraid that Pompey would just use those Roman troops to just take Egypt. Okay. Um, and that was actually a speculation on Caesar's part. Uh, this is actually the first time I've written part of an episode from direct sources like that, because Caesar actually wrote commentaries on a few of his wars. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, there's five, and we know he... We're, Historians tend to agree he wrote the first two. Okay. The other three are kind of iffy. Okay. But the one I drew from was uh, the one he wrote about the Civil War. Um, and that's one that he... It's largely credited to him. Wow. So okay. That, that, that's like his own thoughts on the matter. Wow. He, like, he thought that that's why the Egyptians will do what they do here. Okay. Well, um, that's pretty amazing that that's yeah. stood the test of time for that long. Yeah. And um, that we're able to draw from that. Yes. Um, also very rare for, like, the actual historical person to be the actual historical source. Yeah. <laughs> now, granted, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Sure. But, yeah. Um, so anyway, um, enter Pothinus, remember the eunuch who's mm-hmm. ruling through Pompey, or yeah. not Pompey, Ptolemy, Ptolemy I'm not yeah. getting them mixed up. Yeah. Through Ptolemy the 13th, um, he decides to order... Pompey's execution. And this is where he F's up. Ptolemy. 
Ptolemy is ordering Pompey's execution. Pothinus is ordering Ptolemy. Sorry, man. Sorry, there's so many yes. P.O. names. Pothinus, <laughs> on behalf of Ptolemy, orders Pompey's execution. Okay. All right. I know. All right. I, yeah. It's... Uh, we're about to get far less uh, P.O. names all at once. But a lot more Ptolemy's. Uh-huh. So, so <laughs> did, did this work? With, was, uh... Well, I'm going to get into that. Okay. All right. Uh, so, Pothinus orders that execution. Uh, and this is where he F's up. Ptolemy's like, I just want to play with my toys. <laughs> yeah, he, well, he's a little older at this point. He's probably about, you know, 13. Like, he's a little early teenager. So he's, he's like, little... I just want to poke people with a spear. Yeah, he's, ride he's, horses. He's, he's a little punk. <laughs> um, How do you know he's a punk? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I just assume he's an early teenager, so I'm assuming he's a punk. <laughs> yeah, and he's living with the, sh- the shadow of his sister in yeah. south of the country. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and also, I'm just... The, the, the image I showed you of Ptolemy is kind of blurry because uh-huh. there aren't that many actual of him and there's none of Pothinus. The only ones I could find are either their images from the movie Cleopatra <laughs> and Ptolemy looks like a whining little wimp in that <laughs> or from Assassin's Creed Origins where he also looks like a little wimp. <laughs> oh, so wow. it's like, what do you do? So, just so, so Cle- that, might be, that might be coloring my uh, perception of Ptolemy here. So but... does Cleopatra come back into this? Yes. Okay, yes. I just wanted to make sure. Yes. Um, so Pompey gets to Egypt. Uh, he's in a larger vessel, so he can't just like just pull up and dock. Uh-huh. So he has to get in a smaller... The Egyptians send out a smaller boat to him. Um, and his companions and his wife who was there, um, they kind of said something was amiss because there wasn't like any pomp and ceremony with welcoming this mighty Roman general to Egypt. Yeah. They were just like, they sent out a boat with some dudes to come get him. So they're like, that's kind of strange, but Pompey's like, it's fine. We'll do it. It'll be fine. Because two of the, because a, a couple of the people on the boat were Romans he'd served with. Oh, so he's like, oh, I'm safe. out in Egypt before. That's fine. Uh, before they get to shore, uh, you know, he, he tries to, you know, get in some small talk with them, you know, how's your kids doing? You know, <laughs> How's your family? How's the crops? <clears throat> you know, got a nice house? Cool. Got, you got money? Cool. You know, could you help here? So, oh, oh, I think you stabbed me. <laughs> was that an accident? It was not an accident. They stabbed him. <laughs> wow. They stabbed him to death and they behead him before Jeez. they even get to shore. What about his wife? She's watching all of this. Ooh. That's yeah. rough. Yeah, they behead him, uh, and they just toss his body overboard. It's later retrieved by one of his own freedmen, like a former slave, and it's buried on shore. The head is taken back to Ptolemy. Dang. Along with his signet ring, which is like, you know, the ring yeah, yeah. you know, used to do official documents with. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, a few days later, Caesar arrives, because he's, again, pursuing Pompey. Uh-huh. Uh, he's not aware that any of this has taken place. Um, so he goes to Ptolemy, because Ptolemy's the one in charge. He's yeah. Like, hey, you know, hey man, I'm, I'm Caesar, I'm here to find this guy. And when Ptolemy's guys comes out with a basket. Oh no. <laughs> and they cover the basket and has Ptolemy's head and signet ring in it. Wow. And. Pompey's. Pompey's. Yeah, Pompey's head. Um, and the Egyptians thought, like, well, this guy was fighting Caesar, so Caesar's gonna be happy to see him dead. Oh, Caesar's pissed. Caesar is not happy. Yeah. Caesar is not pleased because he wanted to do it, right? Well, no. 
No. Um, Caesar had a long reputation of pardoning people. Oh. Of like, okay, yeah, you fought against me once, but, you know, we'll, you know, we're all in this together type of thing. Really, I mean, it was for his own ambition. He would sure. look he would look merciful if he uh. granted clemency. Like, that mean, don't ever ascribe, you know, wholesome um, uh, motivations to Caesar. But then you also he have... Is, a... He is a man who is consumed by ambition. So you... But then you also have a dude on your side. You, you know, you yep. have somebody that you've pushed up to the edge of a cliff, then you yes. give and like, them clemency. And, like he, he, and, then... and he also wanted to persuade Pompey. Uh-huh. He wanted to bring him over to his because that would be like the greatest coup of all if he could just, if he could just you know persuade Rome's greatest living general besides himself um, to come over and join him. Yeah. You know, and 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 have those old bonds of companionship that they once had. You know, but like Caesar did that with a lot of people. So now, granted, you... if you spurned his clemency, if like he if he granted you clemency and you still fought back against him, oh yeah, he's gonna kill you. <laughs> So it was partially, like, for his own ambition, but also oh, yeah. because he wanted to yeah. reunite himself with uh, yeah. somebody who he probably respected. Yes. I, I mean, and he had, had served with. They both had a great deal of respect for each other's military talents, because they were clearly good at it. Yeah. Um, so... So he's ticked. He's like... Oh, yeah. He's, you, he's, you done effed up. Oh, yeah. Um, he had Pompey's remains exhumed uh, from the beach and returned to Rome for a funeral with full military honors. Wow. Like, Pompey is buried with honor. Okay. Um... And Caesar decides, well, you know, while I'm here <laughs> in Egypt, Ptolemy, I see that you're in your own civil war with your sister. I think I'm going to solve that for you. So he decides to intervene in the civil war. Um, and this is kind of where we get the legend of Cleopatra being snuck into Alexandria in a rug. Oh, I've never heard that. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it's in the movie. Oh, I've never seen the movie. It's a little long. <laughs> Even though Richard Burton is awesome and everything he's ever been in, but I don't know if that's... Was he Caesar? He was Mark Antony. Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Who's Caesar? Uh, some other guy. Uh, uh, Rex Harrison, I think. Some other guy i never heard of, but Richard Burton, awesome. Okay. Um, but anyway, um, so... Um, like, there's a myth of, like... Cleopatra being snuck into Caesar's rooms in a rug and it unrolled and, you know, she rolled, you know, it's it's supposed to be, I don't know if it's supposed to be romantic or what, but, like, it's sounds kind of dumb to me. <laughs> she was really smuggled in a laundry bag. <laughs> Better somehow? Okay. It makes, it's more realistic. Okay. It's all easier right. to stuff somebody in a laundry bag than a rug. That's a rolled true. up rug. That's true. Well, he did it all the time. Anyway, um, dead. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, but uh, Caesar he basically arranges for Pothinus's execution. He's imprisoned and killed, uh, but not before he sends for the army. Oh boy! Like Ptolemy's army. Okay. So there's a section of Alexander called the Royal Quarter. Mm-hmm. That's where the palace is, where the library is, Royal Harbor, you know, all this stuff. This is where Caesar is and Ptolemy is Ptolemy's kind of under Caesar's um sway not sway just like he's kind of under like house arrest type of thing oh I see because he doesn't piss Caesar off yeah Caesar's army is here and Cleopatra's here okay so Ptolemy's forces they begin to besiege the royal quarter because they're seeing this as like an occupying force you control you have our pharaoh yeah we need to defeat you um the army was led um 
by uh, Ptolemy and Cleopatra's sister, who would also be declared pharaoh, Arsinoe the Fourth. So never heard of her. Uh, well, this is where she just popped. This is a, okay. This is her relevance. Okay, I've she, heard. I was gonna say I've heard of Cleopatra and Ptolemy, but never her. Yeah. Um. Yet another sibling declared pharaoh. Um, okay. They were uh, they were besieged in the royal quarter for ten months. Geesh. It's a long time. So can you imagine what Caesar and Cleopatra do during those ten months? <laughs> no. Because by the way, Cleopatra is very pregnant. Oh yeah. And she gives birth to what would be Caesar's only natural son. Do you want to guess what his name is? Ptolemy the Fourteenth. Ptolemy the Fifteenth. We haven't got Ptolemy the Fourteenth yet. Oh. Ptolemy Fifteen. Why? Where's Ptolemy Fourteen? We'll get to him. Okay. But yeah, yet another Ptolemy in this story. The third of four Ptolemies we'll get to in the story. Sheesh. Okay. Um, he was, but because there's so many goddamn Ptolemies, he was just nicknamed Caesarian. Was he cut out? I don't know. That's just the, the nickname they gave him. I wonder if that's where I the think. Word... I think it was supposed to be like Little Caesar. I think maybe. I don't. <laughs> I think I don't. Back around. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember, me the I don't remember offhand. Is the cartoon? I know I read it at some point, but I don't. I don't remember exactly. But point. He just called Caesarian. Um, I have to figure out if Caesarian section has anything to do with Cleopatra. Well, then go look it up after this podcast I will. episode is over. I will. Um. So, uh, Caesar. He agrees to peace with Ptolemy, and he releases him, and then Ptolemy just turns on him. He, he basically goes out to the army, like, all right, army, you're under my charge now. Go fight him. Oh, boy. So remember, Caesar granting clemency. Oh, yeah. Doesn't like it if you take advantage of that. Shame. Fool yeah. me once, shame on you. Sh- fool me twice, won't be fooled again. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Thank you, W. Um, so they fight in the... Battle of the Nile in 47, uh, during which Ptolemy drowns when his ship capsizes. He's literally sunk by his armor. He's wearing his wow. heavy plate armor and just sinks like a rock. Sheesh. Okay. So Ptolemy 13 is now dead. Oh, boy. So Cleopatra is now in sole rule of Egypt, and because uh, her sister are sent away, she's packed off to a monastery, and she's later killed. So she, like I said one point of relevance wow um so that's three of cleopatra's siblings who have been killed so far mm-hmm. she's got one left also named the named uh, this brother his name is co-ruler but cleopatra's really the one in charge do you want to guess what his name is Ptolemy the 14th Ptolemy the 14th okay yes we've got through Ptolemy's 12 through 15 in this episode <laughs> yes um cleopatra or, uh, caesar he he lingers in Egypt uh, for a while, which is really stupid because he still has a, even though he's killed Pompey, he still has a civil war to win. <laughs> so he just lingers, but he lingers in Egypt. Like he sails up the Nile with Cleopatra. They go to Memphis and they basically get, do a little tourism um, <laughs> tour through uh, Egypt to see all the stuff. Like, ooh, monument. Wow. Uh, ooh, tomb. Ooh, pyramid. Meanwhile, people are <laughs> fighting and dying in Rome. Uh, well, Starving. Rome is actually uh, Caesar left Rome under the charge of Mark Antony, and he was doing a terrible job. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, so there. So, so yeah, kind of. Um, but Caesar, um, he finishes his little tour of Egypt, uh, his little dalliance with Cleopatra, uh, and he goes and he campaigns further in Anatolia and Africa and Italy before finally, finally winning the civil war at the Battle of Munda in 45 BC. Okay. 
So, 45, it's been two years since the Battle of the Nile. Wow. So, that's, yeah, that's how long Caesar takes. The Civil War started in 49. So, it's been four years. Sheesh. So, and three years since Poppy was killed. <laughs> so, But um, his faction just keeps on going. Every Everybody in Rome's like, what yeah, is it, even it, happening? It, it kind of becomes less of a, well, we want the status quo to be preserved to just everybody who doesn't like Caesar. So oh, it kind of shifts a little bit, but Caesar still wins. Okay. Um, he becomes really the undisputed master of Rome. Um, he gets named... a belt. Undisputed champion. Well, he does get a lot of uh, special rights to him. He's granted the right to a purple toga. Ooh. Well, purple was the sign of royalty. Yeah. Um, he gets all these special privileges. He's named dictator for 10 years and then later dictator for life. Why Why wasn't he allowed a purple toga before? It was kind of taboo. Because okay. at this time, like, Rome had originally started as a kingdom. Uh-huh. But they overthrew the kings. Okay. Purple was a very hard um, color to dye things. Uh-huh. So expensive. It was, it was expensive. So, like, it was the color of currency and the color of royalty. Okay. So, like, the only time anybody was ever granted the right to wear a purple toga was during a triumph. Oh, okay. Um, that's it. They probably was, had to share one. Ew. Ew, funky. Yeah. But anyway, um, he's granted the right to wear one whenever he wants. Dang. Uh, basically, Caesar becomes a king in all but name. Oh. Which is really kind of like what he wanted. But he just couldn't, like, it was, there was not enough political will to, like, take that step and just name him king. Okay. Because the people still had this predilection against kings. So it was basically, though, he got to enjoy all of the benefits of being king without kind of. actually being called yeah. king. Yeah. Um, but this kind of leads to a buildup of opposition in secret. Yeah. And uh, on the Ides of March, March 15th and 44 BC, Caesar is assassinated. Stabby, stab, stab. Um, interesting little fact about his assassination. Um, the Senate House was undergoing renovations. So they were uh, meeting in a, a place called the Theater of Pompey. Which, like, it was a theater that Pompey had built uh, years before. Because a lot of things, like, when you did when you were in charge, like, you built things. Kind of like, again, not uh, ostensibly for the benefit of the people. Mm -hmm. But then you'd plaster your name all over it so they don't forget who built it for you. Yeah, yeah, of course. So in the middle of this theater of Pompey was a big statue of Pompey. Wow. And Caesar dies right under it. Wow, that's not uh, ironic. Yeah. He dies in the shadow of Pompey. Dang. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, in that aftermath, uh, another civil war would later erupt uh, between Caesar's heir Octavian, uh, who would later become Emperor Augustus, mm-hmm. and Caesar's right-hand man, Mark Antony. Mm-hmm. Um, they form another tri- triumvirate, but that kind of collapses. Uh, basically, Octavian gets the west, Antony gets the east. Who's in the east? Cleopatra. So, Mark Antony and Cleopatra begin an affair uh, that it lasts for the better part of a decade. Um, she has several children with Antony. So, what about Pompey the 15th? What happened to him? He's, um, well, 14, uh, Ptolemy 14, he, he's disposed of at some point. Um, I think, I can't remember if he's killed or dies in Africa. He's irrelevant, so. Um, Ptolemy 15, or Caesarian, uh, he's named co-ruler with Cleopatra. Oh, okay. So he doesn't have anything to do with Rome. No. Uh, Cleopatra, it's always been speculated that she kind of held out 
this hope because, like, he was Caesar's only natural son. Uh-huh. So he should get what Caesar had. Right, right. Um. That's why I was wondering, but no. He had, he basically, it was kind of like adopting Octavian, right? He named him as an Octavian heir. was Caesar's grandnephew. Right, right. Uh, and he, he adopted, uh, posthumously adopted him in his will. As right. As his son. And then named him emperor. Uh, not, emperor was, that'd come later. Named him whatever then. Yeah. Um, but he's basically heir to Caesar's legacy. So do you think Cleopatra was salty that Ptolemy the fifteenth yes. didn't get it? Yeah. Like, like Cleopatra was in Rome when Caesar was killed. Oh. Yeah. Uh, she she flees pretty quickly because she Clearly. Uh, sees yeah. where the wind is blowing. Yeah. Um, especially because, you know, oh, um, Caesar has an heir. And I have the only natural son of Caesar. They're going to kill him. Yeah. They're going to come after him. Yeah. All right. Which is probably part of why she allies with Mark Antony. Okay. Protection. Um, yeah. Uh, again, you yeah. being astute uh, to which way the political winds were blowing is really, it might have been her only option. Sure. Um, but Mark Antony um, kind of, like, very high on himself, like, a lot of ego. And they had multiple kids with her. Yeah. It would also pretty much screw anything that moved. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I'm not exaggerating. Um, but she supported his ambitions. Um, he wanted to kind of do what Caesar was doing, but in his section of the mm-hmm. Ro- Roman Republic, uh, kind of create a little empire for himself. Like, all of her of his children with Cleopatra were like, you're the king of Cyprus, and you're the king of Syria, and you're the king, uh, queen of Libya. Like, giving them all these titles and stuff. Like, oh, wow. He wanted to create, like, kind of an empire with her in the East. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't really work out. Uh, Octavian, uh, his forces defeat the forces of Antony and Cleopatra at the Battle of Actium in September 31 BC. Uh, Octavian later besieges the two in Alexandria where they committed suicide in August of 30 BC. Okay. Uh, Cleopatra definitely, she, she would have been paraded through Rome in a, in Octavian's eventual triumph. And she didn't want that for herself. She did not want to be paraded as an object of derision or... Yeah. And eventually... Because at the end of Triumphs, one of the only instances in Roman culture where they would practice human sacrifice, any prisoners would be strangled. Wow, okay. Yeah. She didn't want that for herself. Um, but Egypt is annexed into the newly minted Roman Empire. Wow. Ending nearly 3,000 years of pharaonic rule. Sheesh. Yeah. Uh, Ptolemy 15, he's killed. Wow. Because, I mean, of course he is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, And uh, Ptolemy 13, um, <laughs> a little side note, for the murder of Pompey, Dante would place him in the ninth circle of hell in, in, in the inferno. <laughs> now, something about that, I picked Pothinus as the one who effed up. Uh-huh. It wasn't entirely clear who ordered Pompey's execution. Okay. There were a couple... Uh, Ptolemy had a couple other advisors. Uh, his tutor, uh, the head of the army, Pothinus. Uh-huh. Um, I picked Pothinus out of those because he seems most likely to me. Okay. Because Ptolemy was a boy. Sure. Um, and Pothinus was his regent. So mm-hmm. it seemed like he was the... Um, most relevant of his advisors. So it was, it was probably him who ordered Pompey's execution. But, sure. So that's why I kind of picked him over Ptolemy or any of these others. So, 
So it may not have actually, <laughs> may not even been Pothinus, but I'm just going to go with that one. Yeah. Um, it was whoever it, was pulling the strings with yeah, Ptolemy. Yeah, so if Pothinus doesn't ki- have Pompey killed, I mean, it's possible that Egypt goes on for a while. Now, Rome was expanding, so it may, may, may not have made any difference eventually. Right. But uh, it probably wouldn't have, pissed, wouldn't have pissed off Caesar. Yeah. It's like a lot of yeah. uh, confluence of like just the right theater of people. And to... does keeping Pompey alive, does Pompey uh, you, like say, hey, all right, I lost, go support Caesar? Does that kind of tamp down on any opposition to Caesar? Does Pompey right. still continue to try to fight? Right. Does you know? Does that lead Rome into another decade of civil war? Mm-hmm. You know. So there's all these different things that could come from this. So that's where I. That's why I kind of picked you know that specific thing about why. Who who was the effer upper here? Yeah. So. Really ending, thousands of years of Egyptian rule. Yeah, like uh, the emperors, at least Erlon would continue to like kind of take on that persona like mm-hmm. there's images of augustus or octavian who would eventually become augustus um in like the pharaonic headdress mm-hmm. type of thing like like hieroglyphics of him uh-huh. um but this is the last time like this is the last time egypt would be independent for like ruling itself for centuries wow it doesn't really um gain its own independence until the mamluks several hundred years later wow and even then they lose it to the ottomans and we don't get the modern egyptian state until like the 1920s jeez wow so so like yeah so like this really ends is literally the ending of an era even though egypt has been ruled by foreign powers for a long time like persians macedonians nubians at some point it they still like maintain a lot of the trappings of like the ancient egyptian like the pharaohs and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. This is really the end of that. So once Rome takes it over, basically annexes it, then they they're just inject a, a bunch of their yeah. Okay. Like they're like uh, although Egypt is kind of a special case um, after the advent of the imperial like when you go from the republic to the empire, um, you have all these provinces set up and you know the, the Senate appoints a lot of their governors. Egypt is one of the few that is directly controlled by the emperor. The emperor will not let anybody else control Egypt. It's important. E- it's because important Egypt place. is the grain supply. Yeah. It's a breadbasket. Yeah. So, in the Middle East. But it's never, it's kind of just another province for the next six, seven centuries of Roman rule until, as, I, as we discussed in episode two, the Romans lose it to the Muslims. Wow. Okay. So, this is where Roman rule in Egypt starts for the next seven centuries. Jeez. 700 years. Lord yeah, have that's mercy. literally more than twice the history of this country. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Of this country as an independent nation. So. Wow. Yeah. That's a big F up. I would say so. <laughs> um. Oh, that's a lot of talking. Um. So, some of the sources I used, uh. Nick Fields, Warlords of Republican Rome, Caesar versus Pompey from 2008. Philip Friedman's Julius Caesar from 2008. Adrian Goldsworthy's Caesar, Life of a Colossus uh, from 2006. John Graninger's Roman Conquest, Egypt and Judea from 2013. J.G. Manning's The Last Pharaohs, Egypt under the Ptolemies, 305 to 30 BC from 2010. 
Stacy Schiff's Cleopatra, A Life from 2010. And, as I mentioned earlier, Julius Caesar's own commentaries on the Civil War, uh, this edition by Kurt Rafflib from 2017. Awesome. Jeez, it's, that's such a heavy episode, because it seems like there's just so much, like... Yeah, it's like... It's such an immense level of I, history. I glossed over so much. Like, we could do a whole, like several episode podcasts just on Caesar Civil War. And I, I just covered, like, briefly mentioned three of the largest battles of, three, four of the largest battles of it. <laughs> Lord. Yeah. So it, it's a, and it took a lot of setting up to do because you kind of have to know where all these major players are yeah. at the time. Yeah. So there's a, this is one where, like, the, a lot of context was necessary. Yeah. And... And really, like, the actual events themselves weren't a lot, but there's also a lot of aftermath. Because you have to see, like, well, this thing affected so many different things. Yeah. Um, so, it's yeah. big. It's a huge amount of stuff to condense yes. that happened only in a few years, really. I mean, you said that they committed suicide in 30 BC, and Ptolemy, sorry, Pompey was or executed in 48. So this is just 18 years. It's not even that long. Yep. Cleopatra was probably younger than 40 when she died she was 39 39 so really not that long of a time between the time she's 18 to the time she's 39 really all or 17 these these, well over two decades of where she's in power yeah and stuff's just going crazy yeah wow super interesting yep okay well that was episode five um of we effed up and yeah, so we're gonna start serializing this. It's gonna be two every two weeks. I think we're gonna start releasing episodes every mm-hmm. two weeks. So mm-hmm. um, tune in in two weeks for what? Are, what are we gonna talk about next, Cody? We're gonna talk about why it's very important to carefully, carefully read your paperwork so you don't get confused. Oh, man, that is something that I could probably take a leaf out of in my own life. (laughs) I have a tendency to rush into stuff. And we're going to be talking about someone with some of the most epic facial hair in American history. Dang. Okay. I wonder. All right. I'll have to speculate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Well, uh, in the meantime, check out... My other podcast uh, called Wander On, which hopefully will be out around the same time that this is going to be published. Um, check out the YouTube video I run the camera for and help produce called The Drunken Pawn with our podcast producer, Steve. And I have another YouTube thing that I do called Three Minute Movies, where I spoil movies for you in three minutes or less. Uh, are there any other <laughs> creative projects that we've been doing? No, I do nothing else. Okay. I merge every two weeks to grace the listeners with my knowledge. <laughs> uh, and he's humble, too. I, I merge from my my hyperbaric chamber. <laughs> hyperbaric chamber. Or hyperbo- is it hyperbaric or hyperbolic? I think it's Hyper- hyperbaric. Hyperbaric, yeah. Yeah, hyperbolic is in, like an arc. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's math. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I think we're both just tired at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long day, and yeah. that was a lot of talking. <laughs> I think it's the most talking I've done in a while. All right, well, check us out. Um, we will be back in two weeks with episode six of uh, We Effed Up. 
I'm Teresa. I'm Cody. And this is what we're doing.